Welcome to Bethel Worship Center, where we believe that through God, our lives can be transformed and we can become a catalyst for transformation in our community. Today, Pastor Javen concludes the series called The Greatest of These. In part three, we will see that God's love is a relentless love. Before we begin, ask yourself, to what lengths am I willing to go to express God's love? Take a moment to pause and pray, preparing your heart for today's service. We've jumped into the series a few weeks ago called The Greatest of These because we saw in the end of... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul said that he gave us three aspects for our Christian walk that are very important to us, and that is faith, hope, and love. And he said the greatest of these is love. So we began looking at love through the, through the lens of three different minor prophets. The first one was Malachi. We looked at how Malachi showed us that God's love is a healing love. He said that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his Wings And Jesus came and he heals us to the very core of where we need to be healed. And that is our hearts. That is our soul. He heals us from the sin. We may have resolve to say, well, I'm going to do better. I'm not, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to will to do this. But God knew we needed more than resolve. We needed rebirth. And so so through Christ, he makes us new. And uh, he can take us from being self-seeking and self-centered to being God-centered and God-focused in our life. Last week, we looked at the prophet of Amos, and we saw that God's love can actually be a little uncomfortable in the fact that it can confront us in our comfort and pull us out of our comfort zones in our, uh, in our life. We, we said that God's love wants to move us to a place of righteous living, and it wants to move us to be a people who show the just love of God, to show the, the, the love of justice that God wants us to demonstrate every day in our life. So this week, we are concluding the greatest of these with the prophet Hosea. And Hosea has this focus on God's infinite relationship with mankind, with his people, even when his people turn their back on him. I love the picture of Hosea. It's, it's one of my favorite Old Testament pictures. And Hosea's name fittingly means salvation, that God chose him to, to, to show and give the example that he gave of God's salvation, that his name means this, you know, because he provides this very vivid and very real example of God's love that is redeeming. It is forgiving and it is relentless. It does not stop. God's love does not stop. Just a quick rundown to remind us where Israel is at this place. Israel has been, uh, if you remember, rescued from, from the slavery in Egypt. God had brought them out. He had rescued them. He had took them through a process into the promised land. Uh, and uh, they had that. But then they wanted a human king, and God reluctantly gave in to their desire. They had kings that ruled them and led them. But recently, at this point in history with Israel, they, the kings that were leading them were not leading them very much in the way of God. Uh, they were misleading them in that walk and in that relationship. And in fact, they're in a place where they are about to fall prey and go be attacked by Assyria. And they're going to be placed in exile by Assyria. But Hosea is prophesying through the love of God that God will restore. And ultimately that happens through Jesus Christ. It's one of the craziest, most compelling pictures of love. So let's look at what this picture is and what Hosea did in this relentless love. And look at Hosea's assignment. Hosea chapter 1. 
Let's just jump to verse 2. Let's read this verse real quick to see what Hosea's assignment is. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. That's Hosea's assignment. How would you like to get that assignment from God? (laughs) You know, I mentioned last week that Amos was just a blue collar guy, right? He was a shepherd. He tended trees, tended the trees. He was a farmer. And I made the statement that some of you even in this room watching online, that that could be you, that, that God may be speaking to you a word. He may be speaking something into your life that he wants you to share with others. And maybe you went home and you began praying, God, I do feel like you have been showing me some things. I feel like you've been speaking some things to me. God, God, I want you to use me. Show me how you want to use me. And now you hear that Hosea is given this kind of assignment. Don't stop praying for God to use you, all right? I've never seen anyone else called to this type of assignment. I think this was a once-in-a-lifetime type of assignment that uh, anybody was called to, so, so don't worry about that. I also want to say this is not an endorsement for prostitution, okay? Uh, this is not an endorsement for marrying a prostitute or anything like that, all right? Um, I just want to clarify that in case... You, this, is, this is a picture that God is illustrating and speaking through Hosea about his love for the nation of Israel and what we would see through Jesus, his love for us all, right? So see, God is pointing out to Israel how they have turned in other directions. They have turned in other places to find what they think they desire and what they think they need. But the places they they are turning are the very things that are going to end up destroying their life. I mean, we see when Hosea gets into his prophecy, Hosea chapter 5, verse 13, he makes this statement. He says, when Israel and Judah saw how sick they were, Israel turned to Assyria, to the great king. But he can neither help nor cure them. He probably didn't want to. See, this is what Israel was doing. They were turning to other things and other places rather than turning, the, turning to the very God who had originally rescued and redeemed them to begin with. Right? And see, we have to think and we have to look at our life and say, how often do I do this as well? How often do I turn to things and put my affection in things other than with God? And we say, well, how do I do that, Javen? How might I do that? Well, I think there's some questions that maybe you can jot down or you can put in, in the notes in your phone or on a piece of paper if you actually take notes, which is a wonderful thing to do. You can ask yourself this. Ask yourself, where do I turn first and foremost for comfort? When things start happening in my life, where does my mind go? What do I reach for? What do I reach to? When I start getting stressed out, when I start getting anxious, when I start getting worried, where's that first place I turn to? Where do I go? What do I reach for? Who do I reach to? What's that first source? Where do you find your financial security? 
Where do you feel most at peace that brings you your financial security? And this one, I think, is a very important question to ask today because this one reveals a lot, especially nowadays. What are you proselytizing? In other words, what platform are you standing on and vocalizing more than any other? Because the thing we speak about the most is the thing that we're probably putting our most hope in. So where are we turning? Where are we putting our affection? Where are we putting our love? There was an old English, um, and when I say English, I mean England, Bible teacher by the name of Arthur Pink. It said this, made this statement. He said, the affections of man cannot be idle. Now, what he means by that is that your affections cannot be suppressed. That they're going to come out in one way, shape, or form. You, you can't just like keep them back. You're going to express your affections towards something. So he says this. He says, if they don't go out to God, they leak out to world things. When our love for God decreases... The love of the world grows in our soul. That's, I think that's why John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he must increase. See, when I start pushing back the things that I want to put my affections towards and start focusing more on him, then the, my affection for him increases. My love for him grows. My hope in him grows. So now everything that's happening around me doesn't bother me as much because my hope and my, my peace and my comfort and my strength, like we just sang about, is in him. See, God has to be our ultimate source of joy, delight, confidence, and trust. He's our ultimate source. Now, are there other things in our life that can bring us those things? Yes, there are. But they should never take front seat. They can't become the ultimate source of our joy and delight and confidence and trust. God alone needs to hold that place. He needs to be the one that we look to. So Hosea is told to go and marry this unfaithful woman, right? A woman who, like Israel, was going after other lovers, thinking that they, those lovers were going to give to her what she needed and desired, when all along, her husband, Hosea, was the one that was providing that, would be providing that. And God is saying, this is what you're doing to me. But guess what? God says, I don't stop loving you. Hosea 1, verse 3, look at, look at what happens next. It says, so Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dablaim. Now, interesting note about Dablaim. This is, was interesting to me. His name means two cakes. Two cakes. You've heard of two chains. Now you've heard of two cakes, all right? You got the daughter of Dablaim. And she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And it goes on through these next verses and it kind of shows us that the, the, the different children that Gomer births. And not all of these kids are Hosea's. Because we see through the scripture, through what God told Hosea in verse 2 and then in chapter 2, 
verses 4 and 5 where God is speaking and he shows that Israel is like Gomer in that they have conceived in prostitution and became pregnant in a shameful way. So you see, some of these children that are birthed through Gomer are not Hosea's. And you see the meaning of the name, some, a couple of the names that mean that this child does not belong to God or it's not loved, which sounds horrible and sounds harsh. But here's the picture and what God is pointing out. He's saying that, see, when, what happens in intimacy, just to keep it PG, when you are intimate, conception can take place. And when conception takes place, Birth happens. See, the things that we are intimate with in our life are going to cause us to conceive things within our life, which are going to cause us to birth things in our life. And some of the things that we are birthing are not loved by God because they are not from God. That doesn't mean that God can't redeem them and restore them and repurpose them. But if we're wondering why it doesn't seem like the things we're birthing in our life aren't that great, maybe we need to look back and see what was I intimate with that caused this birth. What are we being intimate with? Because see, when you get intimate with God, (laughs) he begins to conceive things within you. You begin to, to, to see these Holy Spirit things begin to form in you and birth in you. That's what happens, happened to Amos when he was just out there working the farm. He was intimate with God the whole time he was doing it. And the whole time he was doing it, God began to conceive within him a word. And then God moved him and that word was birth. When you get intimate with God, he will begin to conceive in you things that could change the world around you. But we have to be intimate with God. We have to look, where am I being intimate? And then jump to chapter three. And let's just look again. See, what happens with Gomer is she she goes to Hosea and she's married to Hosea, but then she leaves Hosea and she goes back to her former lifestyle. And this is what God is saying to Israel. This is what you do. You'll come to me, you'll come back to me And you have that resolve and you make all these promises, but then you eventually just walk right back out and you go to those other things. And this is what Gomer's done. She's gone back out to her lifestyle. Look at what God says to Hosea in Hosea chapter three, verse one. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife. What's that word? Again. That word should mean something to you even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Now think about what Hosea must be feeling in this moment. Hosea is a man, a human, just like any of us. And you think about things that you have been asked to do that you deem unfair. The next time you get asked to do something, whether at work or at home or whatever, and you think, well, that's not fair that you're asking me to do. Think about Hosea. That wasn't fair, but it was important. And you think about what he's feeling and what he's thinking. 
And in the midst of a crowd of men who are there to do nothing but abuse and use that woman, Hosea goes back again. He had already married her once, but he goes back again to love her, to care for her, to protect her. Hosea did for Gomer what God in his great love did for us. He went back again to show his love. He didn't give up. It's a picture of relentless love. And you think about the right. You know, we always talk about, well, I have my right. Think about the right that Hosea had. Hosea had every right to turn that auction into a stoning. Because by law, Gomer in adultery should be stoned. He had every right to turn that auction into a stoning, but he didn't. He turned it into a redemption story. He laid his rights down to express love. Now you think about Jesus. Jesus did the very same thing with a woman. Because men went and, I don't know what they were searching for. If they, let's find, we need to find somebody. We can trap Jesus. So they find this woman in the act of adultery and drag her to Jesus. And we always wonder, where's the man? Because he was just as guilty. And they drag this woman out to Jesus and they say what she's done and tell him that she, the law says she should be stoned. What, should, what, do, what do you say, Jesus? And he looks at them so powerfully and says, well, I say this. For anybody standing here right now that doesn't have any sin in their life, you pick up a stone and be the first to throw it. And then one by one, they slowly drop the stones that they had and walk away. And then Jesus looks back up to that woman and says, have all your accusers gone? And she said, yes. And then he looked at her and he said, well, neither do I condemn you. But then he said these five powerful words. He said, go and sin no more. Is he calling her to a perfect life? No, because he knows she can't be perfect. But what is he calling her to do? Change your affections. Change who you are being intimate with. Because when you become intimate about God, all those things you're searching for and these men you're committing adultery with, you're going to get them through God. Not in that act. You're going to get them through him though. He's going to bring you what you think you're searching for. See, Hosea would express, and again, in his prophecy later in chapter 11, verse 8, a powerful verse, he's, he says these words. He says, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboam? My heart's torn within me and my compassion overflows. This is the very heart of God being expressed in this one sentence. He looks at his creation. He says, I can't give you up. 
I can't give up on you. You say, well, Javen, what about those scriptures that said God turns them over to these choices? Yes, God will turn you over to your desires. He lets you have your desires. But that doesn't mean he gives up on chasing you with his love. His love never stops chasing you. It goes again and again and again. When you sin, his love will go again. When you turn your back on him, his love will go again. When you start putting your affection in other things other than him, his love's still going to go again. He goes again and again and again and again. And the second time Hosea purchased Gomer, it appears that it broke him. In verse 2, look at what it says. It says, I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, or 15 shekels, as some translations say, and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. What, what, what does this mean? People who study this time in history, they say that humans who were sold, which is a horrible thing to think about, but humans who were sold like this typically went for 30 shekels, 30 pieces of silver. Hosea only had 15. Then he had to go get a bushel of barley, and he had to go get some wine. Why? Because he had to find everything he could. He had, to, he had to get everything he could from any place he could find it to buy back Hosea. He gave all he could to get his wife back. This is not the picture of what Jesus did for us. He gave everything. He gave his life so that mankind's relationship with God would be restored. That's the ultimate goal of what Jesus did. It's the restoration of our relationship with him. It's not just so we can say, I get to go to heaven when I die. It's for, that's a benefit that we have. It's for the rest- restoration of the relationship with God. That's what God wants. And so Hosea gave everything he had to restore that relationship. A pastor from the early 1900s wrote these words, Donald Barnhouse. He said, the pursuing love of God is the greatest wonder in the spiritual universe. When we see this love at work through the heart of Hosea, we may wonder if God is really like that, but he is. Think about it, he says. Many years later, he would give man the ability to form the iron in the very ground God had given them into nails and to fashion the trees in the field that he created into a cross. Then he willingly stretched his hands out on that tree and allowed us to nail him there. And in so doing, he took our sins upon himself. This is our God. There's no one else like him. This is Jesus Christ. This is what he did for us. Despite knowing what we would do to him, he loved us relentlessly because he wants to redeem us. He wants to forgive us. And this love changes our life. God's love is the power to liberate us. It is the power to change us. God's love is not something that is given to us once we free and liberate ourselves. His love comes on us and then liberates us and frees us. 
Well, again, what did Jesus do with the woman caught in the act of adultery? He loved her. And then that love moved her to change. God loves us. And look at what Hosea says next to Gomer. Verse 3. It says, Then I said to her, You must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. What's he saying? He's saying, Gomer, there's some habits in your life that need to be broken. There's habits that we've allowed to be created that we need to break in our life. And there's there's a painful reality that we have to come to on where our relationship is together. And we're going to have to make some sacrifices. But when we make those sacrifices, true intimacy will be experienced again. And, and, And he's not saying that you're making this sacrifice alone. What's he saying? He said, not even me. I imagine that was hard for Hosea to say that. But he says, we're going to make this sacrifice together. You're not going to sacrifice alone. I've already began the process of restoration, Hosea is saying. Now let's walk through this. And that's what Jesus did. He began the process of restoration when he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And because of that love, he then moves us. And there may be habits in our life that need to be broken. There may be painful realities we need to come to about where we are and in our relationship with him. But when we do and we make the sacrifices we need to make, then we will begin to experience intimacy with him the way it needs to be experienced. There's only two ways to respond to the love that God shows us. It's either we completely reject it and walk away from it, or we accept it and live passionately in it. We cannot patronize God with a half-hearted commitment. This is what the prophets are speaking to Israel over and over and over again. And it would be said the same to us. God wants us to receive his love. Let that love change us and then let that love work through us. Ephesians chapter five, as we wrap up. Look at verses one and two. Just a couple of passages from, uh, from Paul that I want us to see and how we take what Hosea's picture showed Israel and how we relate it to us. Ephesians chapter five, verse one and two, it says this, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And then look at what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 said, But thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. What's he saying? 
this love I have redeemed you with, that once you, once you realized how great it was and how beautiful it was, this love is what I'm calling you to live out. This love is what I'm calling you to imitate in your life. This relentless, redeeming, forgiving love of God. God's relentless love will go again and again to your life. But it also wants to go again and again through you in your life. Stand with me this morning. I want to I want to ask two questions that I want you to think about. We're going to we're going to go into a time of just reflection and worship with God just a brief moment and then we're going to have communion together. If you did not get a communion cup when you came in, uh, the ushers have some of those. They will bring you one. Just slip up your hand and let them know and they will find you if you didn't get one. And I will let you know they open, the bread opens on the bottom, so do not open the top with the juice first. But here's two questions I want to ask to conclude this message today. One, have you received this relentless, redeeming, forgiving love in your life? God's love has gone again and again and again and again to you. And he wants you to receive that love. If you've not received that love today, you can receive that love. It's just about opening your heart and and repenting before God to him, expressing your heart to him and asking him, God, forgive me. Help me to stop searching for what I'm looking for in other things. And help me to realize that everything I'm searching for is in you. If you came with someone, if someone invited you today, I invite you to turn to them and say, pray with me. I need to make that change in in my life. If you're by yourself today, you can find me up here while we're worshiping uh, in this moment and, and, and I'll pray with you. But, or you can just do it on your own because it's your heart being spoken to God. But when you do that, tell somebody, don't keep it to yourself. The second question I want to ask you today is, are you living out this love in your life? Is there anybody in your life that you're keeping in a seat of judgment rather than going after them with God's forgiving, relentless love? If that's in your heart today, I invite you during this moment of worship to just pray. And seek God for repentance and help him, ask him to help you deliver that person today from your heart and from your mind. Father, we thank you for this moment. And I pray as we worship you in this time and prepare our hearts to receive this communion. God, help us to have a focus on you. If we've turned our affections towards anything else, God, Forgive us, show us, and help us to make the change that we need to make. God, if we're holding people in a place of judgment, God, help us to release them today. Father, if there's anyone in this room today that has never began a 
in a relationship with you, I pray today that they will find you in this room before they leave. God, in this moment, as we worship you and the goodness that goes after us again and again, God, help our hearts to be on you. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.